0: Welcome to the third episode of Stack of Stats. Today, I am not previewing a single thing, that is right, but instead, I have with me one better who is absolutely just crushing life and is a few dollars richer today than he was yesterday, Mark DeRosa, aka Teach 23 on Twitter. Mark, how are you doing today, man, after that big Super Bowl?
1: Doing better today than I was yesterday, for sure.
0: Um, you may or may not have heard of him, but Mike, Mark fired away on some futures bets that have all cashed, including a $500 bet on Brady to join the Bucks, both at 50 to 1 for a $25,000 payout and a 40 to 1. And how, what was that payout? Um, less. <laughs> it was 40 to uh- 1.
1: One of them was to win twenty-five, and the other was to win twenty. So awesome!
0: And then eight thousand on the Bucks to win the NFC at thirty-five to one for two hundred and eighty thousand, and finally two thousand on the Bucks to win the Super Bowl at sixty-five to one odds to win one hundred and thirty thousand. So, for those entirely new to the story, can you explain how you came about making each of these bets?
1: Sure. So I'm I'm mainly an NFL better, and I I follow the markets really closely, and I, I read a lot of information. And uh, I, I mostly am uh, qualitative in my analysis. And, um, you know, I, I try to use information in ways that numbers can't really quantify. And, uh, you know, I, I basically thought that there was a really good chance that Brady was going to be leaving New England last year, uh, basically because of a couple different factors. You know, uh, there was a, a story that came out that said that he wasn't happy with ownership and that there was a rift between Kraft and Belichick. And, uh, and then they, the story came out that he was actually going to be a free agent at the end of the year for the first time in his career. And then there was another story at the beginning of the year that said that his house was going to go for sale. And uh, you know, I just kind of figured that there was a probably a better than 50, 50 chance, maybe more like 75% chance that he was actually going to leave new England. Uh, so then it was just a matter of, okay, if he's going to leave new England, Where is he going to go? And knowing that, I mean, I thought that Brady, if he was still going to be playing, that he would still be effective because Mm -hmm. somebody like that who cares about their legacy so much is not going to play in a diminished capacity in any way. He's going to keep playing until he can't play anymore. Uh, But I think when he realizes that he wants to quit, he's going to quit. So, yeah, it just came down to a couple teams. I actually bet the Chargers really heavily as well. Uh, So of course all those bets are losers. Uh, (laughs) And, um, but yeah, I I basically pinned it down to uh, a few teams. I thought that he was favored to go to the Buccaneers. I thought the chargers were a pretty close second. I thought there was an outside chance at Tennessee and uh, that's pretty much it. Um, So, you know, I just, uh, you know, had an opinion and had a strong opinion on it and just decided to bet it. So
0: but you did do two buys on Brady joining the Bucks. What made you fire both at 50 to 1 and then again at 40 to 1? Was there something more concrete that it had you fire a little bit more on that?
1: It, it was just such a great price. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, if I was I, I literally thought that there was probably a 40% chance that he would end up in Tampa. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if if I'm pricing it like that, then I think that the true odds should have been like maybe plus one fifty or two to one, you know. So, if you're getting 50 to one when it should be two to one, then it's just kind of a no brainer. You know, a lot of times you bet stuff and it's the best bets you've ever had and they lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this just happened to win. So,
0: was there any point mid season where they maybe weren't doing so well? That streak where they had zero points scored in the first quarter that you're like, oh, this is just like a done ticket?
1: No, I, n- I never gave up on them because I knew that there was a lot of potential. That if they were able to put it together, that they that this could be the end result. So um, no, I mean I I knew that they didn't have many uh, much more room for mistakes. Uh, So you know I just continue to cheer for them and hope for the best. There's not what you know once your money's in, there's not really much you can do.
0: (laughs) Exactly, but there's but then let's talk about hedging. I do remember reading about your family saying let it ride for the NFC Championship game. What did your family have to say about the Super Bowl?
1: You know, we didn't even really have a discussion. It wasn't even a question. You know, we, we were just going to let it ride, you know, because uh, it was basically the exact same situation as the week prior. You know, it was a right. you know, three-point spread roughly, you know, you'd have to lay anywhere between minus 150 and minus 180, depending on when in the week you bet it. Um, so, you know, we didn't even have the discussion because – and it was a lot easier this time around because we'd already cashed that NFC ticket. So, you know, you're really playing on the house's money at that point. So –
0: let it right. That's absolutely true. And one of the arguments that I've seen, you know, pretty much all day since the Super Bowl mid game is that the refs definitely had a hand in the outcome. So there's, as you know, there's these two pass interference calls, one where Brady fired a 34 yard deep ball to Evans. And then two plays later, the chief safety, Tyron Matthew, he was called for a pass interference on Evans in the red zone. What do you think about people arguing that the refs had a hand in it?
1: I won't deny that as I was watching the game and I saw the penalties, I obviously was happy about them, but (laughs) I don't necessarily think that they should have been penalties. If I was on the other side, I probably would not be happy about it.
0: Even Patrick Mahomes' mom tweeted about about that situation. She tweeted, if you have to have the ref on your team, is that really winning? (laughs) And she tagged Giselle in that tweet along with it, who is, of course, is Tom Brady's wife.
1: Yeah, that's kind of personal. Uh, I don't know. I, You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, the calls helped for sure, but I don't think that the Chiefs really had a chance, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even, with, even with the calls, even without the calls, they were still going to lose that game, so.
0: Absolutely, I kind of agree with that sentiment. But, of course, I also had a Tampa Bucks features, not as big as yours, but it was enough <laughs> for me to want to have a sweat. But what about the timeouts called then by the Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid, at the... At the end of the first half, um, do you think that those two had any type of impact whatsoever?
1: Uh, the timeouts at the end of the half. Mm-hmm. You know, I honestly, I was a fan from a from a student of the game perspective. I think that he made the right decision. Uh, you know, he's got an offense that can score in fifteen seconds. Uh, they were they were losing the game. Do you want to max? You're only going to get the ball nine or ten times a game, so you want to maximize every possible possession, you know, it just didn't work out in his favor. You know, it's hard to, I mean, it's easy to second guess somebody when you already know what the result is. Right. And we would all be saying that he was a genius if, if that had was. been the turning point. So Absolutely. I think that they were, the, I think they were the right decisions.
0: And of course we are still in a pandemic, but do you happen to have any big plans for celebration after such a big score after such a great season, to be honest? <laughs>
1: um, no, it's just, you know, life as usual.
0: Life as usual. And that's what we want to hear, but enough about the Super Bowl. I really wanted to get to know more about you, the actual sports better, the one who made the decisions in the first place. How are you doing this professionally? Is this your full, is this your main source of income?
1: Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I've been a professional for quite a while. I think 15 to 17 years. Um, yeah, I, uh, I started out as a casino player and uh, playing online and uh, I did really well with that for a few years. Um, and I like to play Blackjack I play a lot of video poker. Um, that really helped me figure out that there is to understand what a house edge is and that sometimes no matter how well you can play a game, you're still gonna lose nice. and so when you when you're a casino player and you understand how casino games work, you can really understand that you know, no matter how good you are, you still can't beat the game. Uh, so then you have to look for conditions that are favorable for you to beat the game. And I think that's helped me as a sports better because, you know, I, I'm looking, I'm always looking for those conditions where the game is beatable. So
0: yeah, that's, I mean, that I can fully agree with that. I, can, I have a poker background, so I think it's all relative. Sports betting, playing poker, stock market, it is all the same gibberish. You kind of need the same mindset. You need the same characteristics that come along with it. But as I mentioned, I do come to the poker world. And just like poker people have the misconception that you can just go out there, get rich out of this, kind of do it for like a couple of months. You're going to hit a big score and then boom, you're it. But just like in poker, I keep it, I keep betting recreational, but do you agree that keeping betting recreational is the way to go nowadays with as difficult as it is with how sharp the books have gotten with their lines? Or do you think there is still a possibility out there for somebody who wants to strive to make it as, as a profession?
1: So I would not recommend this profession to anybody <laughs> because it's it, because 99% of people are going to fail at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard for me to recommend something that most people will be unsuccessful at. It's getting harder and harder. You know, 10 years ago, uh, it, things were much more beatable. And that's generally what happens in everything with that's gambling. Nice. You know, it's, it's going to get more efficient. Um, there will always be opportunities, but you might have to work harder for them or, Become better uh, as a gambler, uh, acquire new skills, uh, that kind of thing. It's just not going to be as easy as it was yesterday or last year or five years or 10 years before. It's it's harder and harder. And eventually there will be, there will come a day where I can't win anymore. And that's kind of like uh, something that I've come to grips with for like the last five to 10 years. It, it, I always expected, oh, this might be my last year, but it hasn't ha- it hasn't hit me yet. It's like
0: how they always say, when are you going to stop when the game passes me by? (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: And that's kind of the same, whether it's a professional athlete or whether it's a poker player who's been in doing this for 20 years, it's the same concept. 20 poker, even 15 years ago, is a hell of a lot different than it is now. But of course, in today's computerized environment, is your analysis then computer-based? Do you run computer models? Are you pen and paper? Is it instinct? You've been doing it for so long at this point. What are you doing?
1: Yeah. So a lot of it is, um, you know, I have a background in geography. That's my college degree and I've never used it a day in my life. Uh, I don't, I don't have any programming skills. I don't have, you know, I don't write algorithm algorithms or anything like that. Um, I'm not a dummy when it comes to math, but I'm definitely not as skilled as most people who are out there making a living. Um, A lot of my, a lot of my success I think is, is from just experience knowing you know, what to bet, what not to bet, um, which markets are beatable and which aren't. Nice. Um, I do, so I do some weekly modeling for NFL, uh, for smaller markets like quarters and half times and halves for, you know, first half, second half, uh, a lot of player props, uh, a lot of game props. Um, and you know, I find stuff that I know others are not beating and mm-hmm. it's kind of refreshing to know that, you know, I'm beating them and, People who are a lot smarter than me and have a lot uh, more education are not. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of my approach.
0: And so, then, would you say that you are a volume better, or are you definitely more selective since you're not running these computer models or as often as much as other people?
1: It's a little bit of both, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah. In a given week, I make a lot of bets. Um, so, but it's it's very selective in, in, in what I want to bet. So.
0: so since you have been doing this for so long, you have more experience than probably anybody that I'm aware of. Um, we all know the number one thing is bankroll management, but what would you say are the qualities, the characteristics that a person needs in order to be a successful better and not just in the short short term, but as long as you've been doing it?
1: Sure. So, I mean, you have to have a lot of discipline and you have to be able to sit down and ask yourself. You know, when you set it, you have to be able to keep your gambling money separate from your personal money. Um, You never want to be gambling with money that you pay the rent or the mortgage or your kids' tuition or anything like that. Because if you're doing that, then you're always going to be on tilt with every loss. Uh, So I would not advise that. Um, And then once you've established, you know, what money you're going to use, you know, to gamble with, you also have to think of long term you know, you know, five, a 5% of your bankroll play doesn't sound like a lot of money, but if you hit a bad streak, you're toast, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very easy to, to, to run bad and hit only 25 or 30 or 35% in a short sample size. And if you start out like that, your bankroll is going to be devastated. So, uh, you know, I, especially if you're just starting out, I would say bet extremely conservatively until you know that you have an advantage. And once you've established that you have an advantage, and you're confident then you know one to two percent plays can be more common so that's yeah
0: yeah i totally agree and like i said everything you are saying absolutely pertains to poker as well like it's just oh man it's just like two of the same world but now that football is over what sport is next for you if any
1: um it's different because this year there's a lot of sports that are starting up when they're not i know not. baseball is kind of i guess they're on a regular schedule and uh hockey's ending in may
0: fcs yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah so i you know and I, and there's like some spring football this year with college mm-hmm. so you know i've been so focused on nfl i haven't really paid attention to what else is going on uh i do a lot of fantasy football in the off season uh oh. i had a really terrible year this year actually uh so you know it's not all, it's not all wins.
0: it doesn't all uh, correlate to each other
1: <laughs> yeah yeah.
0: But we are so far from the 2021 season and for a way too early thought, but do you think way far out of any team that could potentially excel in the upcoming season?
1: Um that's tough because I it, we don't have we don't really have a situation. I mean everybody keeps asking me who Deshaun Watson's gonna sign with <laughs> or who, who he's gonna get traded to. And you know, I think obviously the Jets are um the favorite to land him. I don't know if I agree with that or not. I did bet some jets at a really big price, but I don't know if they can really get there.
0: I'm kind Uh, of thinking he stays.
1: I, you know, who knows how this situation, he might sit out, you know, he might might sit out because uh, he sounds like a man who's played his last down for Houston. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just a matter of who's going to cave first in that situation. So, you know, if he, um, if, he's, if he goes to the Jets, which, I you know, is probably not likely, but could, you know, I guess he's kind of the, fit, bet. they're kind of the betting
0: favorite, but. Um, and then you have Zach Wilson, who's projected uh, to be drafted by the Jets. So that's kind of a sticky situation as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to your original question, I haven't really run my numbers yet. And I do have like one or two teams, but I haven't bet them yet. So
0: And you can't say that because then the odds <laughs> will change.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, And
0: totally understandable. And of course we just talked about Watson, but a lot of players are on the move. Carson Wentz, there's even Allen Robinson. Can you, is there any player moves in the off season that you can foresee happening?
1: Huh. It's going to be wild. That's, that's, that's all I know. It's <laughs> going to be, it's going to be the craziest off season that we've ever seen. And I think that honestly, it's going to be not really to my advantage because who knows what's going to happen. It's going to be so unpredictable. Um, You just know that they're going to play musical chairs with a lot of quarterbacks, but I don't really know that any teams are really going to get better because you know, if they're just switching quarterbacks from one team to the next, there's a reason why one quarterback's leaving. And you know, they're just kind of trading one thing to get the same thing. So um, you know, I don't really see any teams uh, I, I don't think I can predict who's going where and if they're going to be any better. so.
0: And this is just because I am such a big Bears fan. I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for that. But, yes, I am a Chicago Bears fan. Carson Wentz, do you think he would help or hurt that situation?
1: I don't know. You know, the guy's got the first-round pedigree. Uh, he was awesome for his first three years. He was terrible last year. <laughs> um, I would not give up the farm to get him mm-hmm. at this point. I, I think you know when you see a quarterback drop off in the manner that he dropped off, it usually means that there was an injury. Mm-hmm. So, if if there is an injury, if it's fixable, you know maybe you get the guy who who had the awesome rookie season and sophomore season, but then you may also get the guy with the character issues because you know <laughs> all the all the rumors out of Philly. I mean, nobody seems to really like the guy. I mean, that's you saw from a big shift.
0: You saw a big shift from the players who were once he was playing and then two, and he wasn't, he saw it. You saw it in the attitude. You saw it on the field. He saw it in who was helping him get up off the, off the ground. <laughs> so yeah, I agree yeah. with that. So that's going to be interesting to see. That was just my fan perspective from that side, but Mark, I really do appreciate you hopping on where can folks find you on Twitter? And are you going to be posting any more tickets if you decide to play anything?
1: Uh, yeah, you can find me at, uh, at teach 23. And, uh, yeah, occasionally I'll post something, uh, You know, so I I try to give stuff out every now and then.
0: Awesome. I'm going to be keeping an eye out and I appreciate you and have a good day. Thank you for listening to the third episode of Stack of Stats.